Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bruce McCullough and Paul Myers first met in the 1980s somewhere along Queen Street in Toronto, Ontario. Bruce McCullough is originally from Alberta and left that province to help found the influential and fearless five-man comedy troupe The Kids in the Hall. He has since gone on to become a successful comedic writer, author, musician, performer, and director in his own right. Paul Myers is a musician and author who grew up in Scarborough, outside of Toronto, in a comedy-loving family, which included his famous brother, comedy icon, Mike Myers. Paul has written books about musicians like Long John Baldry, Todd Rundgren, Bare Naked Ladies, and now he's written a book about the kids in the hall. With full cooperation from the troupe and their collaborators, plus insights from supporters and fans like Lauren Michaels, Seth Myers, Judd Apatow, Bob Odenkirk, and many others, Myers wrote the authorized biography, The Kids in the Hall, One Dumb Guy, which is out now via House of Anansi Press. To mark the occasion, Bruce and Paul met with me in the atrium at the CBC headquarters in Toronto, where we discussed their long friendship, what propelled the kids into comedy instead of, say, music, surprising aspects of this book, the influence the kids have had on other aspiring comedians, what's next for Paul and Bruce, respectively, and we talked about many other things. With the support of listeners like you, who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash creativecontrol, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 439th episode of Creative Control, featuring two hilarious and smart guys, Bruce McCullough and Paul Myers, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Hi. Nice to have you on the show. Uh, please introduce yourself, I'm sir. I'm Paul Myers. Paul, it's nice to meet you, finally. Finally, yes. I feel like we have a social media connection. Absolutely. Like so many people in the world. Yes. You, now you exist in real time. It's nice mm-hmm. to finally meet you and see you in person and, and you, sir. I am Boom Boom Bruce Ian McCullough. Oh. Yes. Also sometimes called Bruce McCulloch. 
incorrectly, and I'm so happy to be here in the atrium staring at the portrait of the great Barbara Frum. Yes, we are at the CBC uh, location today, which is nice of you to make time for me. I do. I yeah, do we can wander it. around later looking for the kids in the hall picture, but I don't think there is one. I think they <laughs> keep it in the wing with the Gomeshi. Uh, <laughs> well, so uh, we don't see it down here. There, it's maybe on the ninth it's floor. It's behind somewhere. the Shit's Creek one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the other side. Yeah, like a like a panel that wasn't as good. <laughs> I was fascinated reading your, your congratulations on your book. Oh, thank you. It's a wonderful book. Thank you. And I was fascinated to learn that you have a long relationship with the kids in the hall, Paul. I would say 30 years counts as a long time. 30 yeah. years. So yeah. how did you first encounter the kids in the hall? I knew Kevin and Dave from Second City Workshops, and they said, we're, we're starting this troupe across town at the Rivoli. And uh, at the time, I was dating a girl who uh, was going to York University with Scott Thompson. Mm-hmm. She was in the film department with Paul Bellini. And she said, oh, my friend's playing the Rivoli, too. And it turns out it was the same troupe. So it was the, so it was just after Scott had joined the kids in the hall. So they were playing the Rivoli Club to what was it, two hundred people, maybe a hundred people, and it was packed most of the time. Sometimes not, but uh, they were building a following, and eventually I was there through all of it. Right. And then for a few years, not. So you were there as a a contemporary, I suppose. Well, I was a musician on the scene, so I had really got. Out, I tried improv, and it, I'm not. I'm not a comedy performer at all. I like comedy a lot though so I'm a comedy nerd no I've worked with him for the last couple days he is not a comedian (laughs) he's a serious serious somber man I've had to be uh, around professionals like Bruce and Scott and it's uh, it's you you quickly learn you're not funny so if you're not you were you you were interested in comedy if you were attending the the workshops right yeah and it has to be said that my brother Mike was also at Second City at the time and he loved the kids in the hall too so we would talk a lot about and we all became friends and so there was definitely a community around it. Uh, musicians love comedy. Comedy loves musicians. So we were all kind of in the Toronto scene together. Do you feel like I feel that uh, comedians, a lot of comedians want to be mus- musicians and musicians want to be comedians? That's absolutely true. D- Bruce, do you agree? Well, I certainly don't want to be a musician, although I do have a Beatle bass. And you, have a, and you um, play well. Beautiful Hoffner. Do you have a uh, Hoffner bass? Yeah, that, oh, my, seen it. that my daddy gave to me the only the only good thing my daddy ever did for me was give me his Hofner bass <laughs> one time that should be a piece that should be a piece I do That's um, absolutely. but no I I uh, you know, uh, we are also cool because of the shadowy men on a shadowy planet yes. who get our music. That's really the only reason we were ever considered cool. But I saw my friends early on moving their trainer and garnet amps, right. and I thought, oh, I'm not fucking doing that. It's yeah. true. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of amazing musicians. I'm certainly not one of them, and I don't really want to be one. Okay. Well, I want to ask Paul about uh, the the motivation to write this book in a moment. But Bruce, we should start with you. What motivated you to live a life? that would make someone want to write a book about it? Well, that's a great question, actually. I like being in interviews when people say, great question. Um, Do you think that's sincere? I never yeah. know. I get yeah, that. No, no, it no, is. I've seen him. He wouldn't, he wouldn't yeah, fake no, that. Um, I'm obsessed with so many things, and I have... I've, you know, I used to walk around with my little tartan notebooks and write down ideas. <laughs> I've been obsessed with the world and ideas um, since I was a small child, and I somehow, luckily, indulge my obsessions... Um, and found like-minded people and I go 30 Helen standing in a field that's amazing that's so funny that's so funny that's so funny I can go to sleep now and (laughs) I just luckily found some guys who we could you know it was like a warehouse that we could dig away at the warehouse and get our ideas out but you were interested in punk rock as a young person oh without question and it's like 
when when people would watch Saturday Night Live, I'd say you guys are losers. Like I never, I was never into comedy. I never saw a show. I, you know, Python was at the corner of my understanding, and it was brilliant. But it was like I never watched comedy. I never went to movies. I remember people I was working with say, "Let's go to two movies on Sunday," and I just go, "Loser!" You know, let's go see the Modernettes at the Calgarian and get our heads kicked in. That was more fun yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, everyone's kind of a nerd about something. You were more of a, you were an athlete. I remember that. Yeah, I was a. I was a power lifter. I was an Olympic lifter, and I was a wrestler and a marathon runner. And I was, but I was a very angry young man. And I uh, had a very tough, drunk dad, broken home, '60s situation. And I think, I think music was my way out of that. And then ultimately comedy, um, and it just helped me. I think uh, process my childhood. Right. Right. Now he said it in a lovely voice. That's it. <laughs> Paul, you you view these th- this troupe as kind of a punk rock group. Yeah, I think, level. and it sort of comes out. They've even said it themselves in the, that they, they do resemble a band. And I've been around bands. Yeah. And I know some of the bands that they worked with, and and there's definitely a, a an analogy to rock band, and even in the sense that they were like punks you know in the sense like they were like what do you got you know rebel against whatever you got and i don't think they ever called themselves rebels they were always just doing it yeah which was very band like to me like as opposed to the clash who were very didactic and had a a, a modus operandi these guys were just like i don't know the buzzcocks i don't know yeah. i can't think of an example they making good tunes really good harmonies but it's kind of rough and straight yeah. ahead yeah yeah you, know? you mentioned that when you would go to see them early on Maybe there's 200 people in the room. Yeah. Maybe there's not. It, it took yeah. a while to build a fan yeah. base. Take us back to that time from your perspective because you've done the research. <laughs> what was it like when the Kids and All first emerged on Queen Street and were trying to make a name for themselves? Well, for one thing, there wasn't a lot of sketch troops that we knew of. I mean, I, over the time that they were there, there was Corking the Juice Pigs and eventually the vacant lot a little bit later. But there was like live theater and people doing like slam poetry they might not have called it slam poetry at the time and so for them to do comedy was kind of novel on the queen street scene and like second city was where people did sketch comedy yeah, yeah. and it was by then kind of an institution yeah and 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 to its detriment in sometimes and other times they have great performers bubble up through that and theater sports was happening and that was more athletic i guess it was more of a competition but they weren't making to, scenes to bruce's impulse really to compete to yes. defeat but they weren't making opponent. scenes. Yeah. They weren't really <laughs> making scenes the way you guys were writing sketches, you know? Yeah. And that's what made that's what stood out. And that's what made other troops start to go, Oh, we can actually write these down and not just do make 'em ups all night, you know? Yeah. And you have a bit of Bruce, as I recall from maybe your Twitter feed, maybe from your one man show, you have some of it it's not disdain necessarily for improv, but you have an issue with improv <laughs> as a form. Uh-huh. Well, no, I've, I'm putting um, words in your mouth. Yeah, right? no, and I'm I, improvising. And and I'm putting 10, words 000, in your mouth. Yeah. Um, my joke, I'll tell you from my show, uh, Paul, is you know whenever I go to uh, improv and I'm asked for a suggestion and I'm in the audience, I say, "Don't do any improv." Right. And then of course <laughs> they have to say, "Yes," yeah, so we don't have yeah, to yeah, improv. Yeah. No, I you know I love improv. I think it. I think it can become a lazy art form at a certain point. I think it's great for young people or young artists uh, to find their place on stage and be comfortable. But I think after a couple years, for me, I think moving on to writing and organizing the stuff is, is sort of the natural progression. Yeah, there's a segment in the book where uh, I think it's Mark McKinney is talking about how this is why you're going to be a star. You were the writing workhorse of the troupe. You would sit down and write and organize things more than the other guys? Oh, yeah, and I, I actually remember when we were scouted from Saturday Night Live, and I had typed up all my sketches, 
and Mark hadn't. Like Mark, I, Mark was sort of my writing partner in many ways. But I typed them up, and it's like, here they are. Okay, I'll just put McKinney on a few of these, and we'll get a job. Yeah. I have always been, for whatever reason, uh, a, a worker, and I've yeah. had bad jobs, and I've just I'm a worker. But you do, is it a mistrust of the moment? Improv to me is in the moment comedy. It's sort of found sound almost. You are more interested in actually writing a narrative. Well, that's that's probably interesting. And it's probably what is wrong with me, which is I want to control things. And it's probably uh, the friction I've had in the group is like, no, 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 we got to do it that way. We got to do it quicker and mo- and pick up your cue. And that line isn't working. And so, but that's about me letting go. Mm-hmm. And probably in my next life, uh, I will uh, let things happen a little bit more easily. Okay. Well, we can look forward to that. Yeah. The next <laughs> that. So, Paul, incarnation fans out there. How did well, the germ of this book? I mean, obviously, yeah. you have this long history with these guys. Sure. Where did the book idea come from? Well, I've written three other biographies, and they're mostly about music. They're yeah. all about music. Bare Naked Ladies is Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. Uh, one about Long John Baldry. It's an interesting story I won't get into. And Todd Rungren, the producer. And in each one of these cases, I would spend about a year or two. Well, about a year interviewing people and a lot of people. And I got really, I have to say, good at collating and coming up with what's a narrative, a story. And I knew these guys so well that I almost didn't know if I could write it. But then I realized you can ask them yeah, because they're all still alive. Thank you. know, Thankfully, thank wood. I was going to say yeah. knock, knock. Thanks. Mm. And um, is Kevin technically alive, though? Yeah, he's technically alive. He's Don't dead make fun of Winnipeg. It is a beautiful city. Yeah. yeah. Just because he lives there yeah. doesn't mean he's dead. The yeah. last time I saw Kevin, I saw him in the street. I said, hello, Kevin. And then he was looking at his phone and yeah. he said, hello, Kevin. That was his response to me <laughs> saying, hello, right. Kevin. That sounds about right. And I couldn't do anything. I just was like, hey. And he looked up. He's like, oh, Vish. Yeah, he remembered me from. You wow. didn't ex- but you didn't expect that yeah. move. No. Right? Yeah, hello, Kevin. A, hello, Kevin. I'm, kind of I'm going to try using that. Yeah. Smart. Is that something you've you've learned how to do as a troop? Is uh, No, but I'm going to start doing that. That's this. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. I learned anyway. a lot about the dynamics of the troop. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, like Bruce has proclaimed himself the workhorse of the troop. And it's true. Nothing happens unless Bruce makes it happen. Yes. Like Death Comes to Town yeah. is like driven by Bruce. And, you know, but each guy brings a certain aspect of what you like about the kids in the hall. Dave's a very clever guy with, and he's very, he's very conceptual, like from the yeah. history of comedy. And he's also fast, right? Yeah. He's fast. And Good punch up guy, yeah. right? And, yeah. and Scott's the best actor, I think. Maybe Mark. They're both the dramatic yeah. actors. And Kevin, Kevin is just Kevin. And we love him, and he's just Kevin. Yeah, like he—he's like kind well, of. Well, he's godless. the funniest of all of us, he's, without he, question. He's also a theoretician too. Yeah. Like he also knows—he knows yeah. everything from Sid Caesar and all that stuff. Yeah. But Kevin's also like nakedly honest about his passive aggressiveness, which yeah. comes out in all the sketches. Yeah. So the king of uh, empty, empty promises, promises. Yeah. is yeah. my mind. Yeah, it's yeah. just him. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times he actually said he'd get back to me for this book. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. It slipped my mind. You actually just (laughs) said that, Kevin. You just said that. Now, you speaking of people you you, you spoke to about this book, I mean, it's an amazing array of talented comedic legends and figures. A lot of people turn up. Yeah. So this this aspect of the kids in the hall always fascinates me. The fact that for a lot of us, you are the epitome of success in comedy. Ah! But as you read narratives about the story, uh, about yeah. the, the about the troop, you realize there's a lot of struggle. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of struggle to keep it together. A lot of failure. A lot of failure. A lot of pain. He walked around in small circles for like a NASCAR race for five minutes after that. What is considering your... Considering his past. <laughs> Poetry slam. Poetry slam. <laughs> Poetry slam yeah. frightens me. Uh, what is your perspective on that, Bruce? This notion that you are viewed as, you know, comedy legends. A guy wrote a book about you for crying out loud. At the same time, as I read about your own perspectives on it, there always feels like we're a cult group. We didn't quite make it. 
Where does this Where does this come from? Um, well, I mean, we're workers, and I think every morning you wake up and you don't have anything, and you you have to come up with an idea and you do a thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was never a point where we went, we made it. I mean, maybe for a moment when we did our first tour and tickets were flying out the door, it's like, uh, how many shows do we have to do in Vancouver? What do they want from us? <laughs> but I think I think it's always just been we've worked hard. We're disorganized. We're chaotic. Scott always needs to eat. Dave always needs to leave early. Like, we just somehow just keep working, and I think that's our thing. We never think about ourselves uh, outside ourselves. Right, but this kind of exercise, I assume, puts you in this reflective mode. It does, and I think... I don't think 20 years ago I could have ha- been having these conversations about myself. I think only with, you know, the vast amount of time that I can now kind of place my career with Kids in the Hall in perspective. And it's like, I'm not just a kid in the hall, you know. And I, I understand that it is the defining work of my life. Mm. But I can only do it now. But of course it doesn't make me comfortable, you know. I haven't read the book. I might read the book. I might not. It's you like, haven't it's read the book? No. It's hard oh. to read about yourself, right? Yeah, and it's just like... It's I, too much icky. I've just never read my press. I've never... Yeah. Like, it's... I'm a punk in that way, and maybe I need to be protected in some way, but um, I, you know, yeah, I don't, I, I know I'm Bruce from Kids in the Hall, but I'm just Bruce, you know. No fact-checking? You never got a, a draft of the book to make I'm sure? I'm sure I got a draft yeah, of the book. I just, I just didn't, you know, I, I knew that other people were doing that Would you say you trusted me? Yes, I trusted Paul. Okay. And also yeah. Mark, Mark was pretty diligent. Mark did like two and a half pages of like... That didn't happen. That didn't yeah. happen. And Mark said, actually, humorously to me, he said, we have to get this right. It's our legacy. And I remember just laughing my head off. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're our legacy. They're, you know what I mean. <laughs> but it's now like, I know cares? I know their personalities. <laughs> I know that's so Mark to be that guy. Yeah. yeah. Mark is the guy who thinks about the, the proper. I mean, it's his diplomatic upbringing. Yeah. And he's very much that guy and very structured about time and all these things. And everyone else has got, the, you've got more of the jazz poet thing. And, you know, also you don't want to take on the mantle of who I am. Right. Yeah. Well, Paul, so from your perspective, if Bruce, Bruce hasn't read the book, uh, you know, one of the questions you, you probably have been asked uh, quite a bit is surprises. When you're doing research on a book like this and you're talking to everyone, can you highlight anything that you were sort of taken aback by? Oh, well, Scott's story is so filled with actual life and death moments. Right that it's not even like, you know, it's not just comedy failures or setbacks. I mean, he had death uh, to, and risk of his own death, and he was witnessed uh, a horrible shooting in, in, in when he was in, in high school. Yeah, in Brampton, yeah. yeah. And it just, I didn't realize the depths of his pain. and It comes out in his work for sure. Uh, I also didn't know, I didn't know as much about the Calgary stuff and like just how groundbreaking the audience, the troupe that Bruce and Mark were in with yeah. Norm Hiscock, who also wrote, wrote the show. Key figure, yeah. Just that their, their legacy of how much they really ran Calgary comedy. Uh, they cre- you kind of created the Calgary comedy. I mean, Keith Johnstone created the Loose Moose, but they came, came out of it. And just I knew the Toronto end of it, so I didn't know all the prior stuff. Yeah. So that, that was really That was great. a big surprise for that you. Was, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Uh, just that it, it was so destined to be successful because of your energy from Calgary. And then the Toronto guys were just here. You're like, <laughs> yeah. So, Bruce, you, you haven't read the book, but in the bits and pieces that are coming out as people, I assume other people in the Scott's talking yep. about it. Are you learning things? Are you learning things about the troop? Um, probably not about the troop, but what I like about what has been told to me about the book, which is what I like when I, like I'm a huge fan of the Rolling Stones and I uh, voraciously, is that the right word? That's right. Uh, read books about their inner workings is there's process and understanding of where we came from yeah. to, to be who we are. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what people who like the book isn't just like oh here's how they came up with head crusher like that's interesting but i think there's more our weird childhoods how we formed how it was almost an accident etc is is what is interesting to me social social dynamics yeah and to call back to what i was saying about the people that paul spoke to for this book and 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 their stature some of them are all of them in fact are you know hugely significant comedy today do you have a sense of the influence of your troupe on the next generation of comedians Yes, I guess, but I, if I think about it too much, I'm an asshole. Yeah, um, you're not comfortable. With I'm that. not. I'm not so totally comfortable with it. I think also, you know, we were, and then a cart goes by with the lonely lady who's going home Are we to getting a that? bowl of yeah. soup later. Um, she smiled at you. She did smile at me. She knew. Oh about yeah, it. the ladies like. Um, <laughs> Love no, cart. I think you know there was also. We were also a group, but there was also, yes, Brian Hart, Norm Hiscock, and a bunch of other people. There was, we coalesced something that was happening, a suburban thing. Um, there was, I think there was a vacuum for us, but of course we couldn't have done it with, without all five of us at the moment we did. We got lucky. And yes, I guess that thing hadn't been done before, the weird, you know, the power of the suburbs, as it were. But are you seeing in contemporary comedy, if you see an episode of Key and Peel, or what's the show that just came out that seems a lot like Brain Candy? I can't remember what it's Maniac. called. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. But, like, are you starting to see the influence of... I've Yes, I've seen it. But also, there is a lot of young people, and I, like, I do some stuff at Humber. Some of the kids there don't know who I am. Right. You know, some yeah. know who I am. But some, you know, some yeah. don't know who I am. Right. So I think... I think if we hadn't done it, someone else might, like, yes, it's influence, but what we're doing is kind of obvious in a way. We're, we're processing a kind of a weird, you know, culture that exists. It exists in music, be it the replacements or whoever, that it's, it's commenting on the world that exists. And we did it. Someone else could have done it. And but, they do it still. Paul, would you agree that what the kids in the hall have done or did? In, in the original run of their show was really timeless? Like, I, I can't think yeah, of... I, I was just saying this to someone earlier today, that yeah. they didn't put topical references in. There's no Jean Chrétien jokes. There's no uh, whoever else was... You know, they, they didn't do Reagan bits. And 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 so... Very few impressions at all, in fact. And we don't so even do anything, anything about Oka, which was a terrible stain yeah, yeah. on Canadian. <laughs> you did do yeah. that Meech Lake Accord <laughs> thing. That was like a big... Uh, we're cutting Meech tonight. I remember that. You said that. But, uh, but that's the point I'm making, is that they didn't tie it to one thing and a lot of those themes of the suburbs and a lot of those themes of family dynamics there's always going to be drunk dads yeah there's always going to be that guy at the bar fight who goes back for more even though he should stay down 
you know, in fact, I, that was nearly the name of the book was Stay Down because right. like all the beatings you guys were taking, <laughs> That's good you know, too. Yeah. yeah, it was, a, it was a, we kicked yeah. around a few. Um, and, but yeah, I think that, that that makes it timeless by not making it specific to any time, you almost. Yeah, it's a remarkable thing. Like I was rewatching the first couple of seasons and I was just like, this just holds up. There's still so millionaires well. in garbage cans. I mean, that's, yeah. it's still going to happen. Right? <laughs> it, there's still 30 Helen standing in a field. I mean, I think that is a real it's testament a to your legacy, frankly, that yeah. you you had the foresight to not pin yourself to the Well, time. it wasn't foresight. It was just what we did. Like, I think we only wrote anything that interested us. Yeah. And we, you know, we weren't going to do... You know, that, that's what people do, right? That The Beatles did that. They wrote songs that they just wanted. They didn't say, we're going to try and appropriate American black music right. and turn it into this Liverpool thing that has a lilt. They just had a lilt and they tried to do the songs they liked. And they happened to be part of a Liverpool scene. And then they went to Hamburg and that's how they did it. So you guys, what Paul is saying is the kids in the hall are basically that's the really Beatles. That's really what I'm saying. It helps me sell um, books. I think we are more like <laughs> Husker Du. Oh. More like Husker yes, Du. That's true. Well, there you go. Yeah. Or the replacements. That that seems... Probably the replacements. Uh because they probably didn't get very successful either. Yeah, well, they, they have that thing yeah. where they're hugely influential yeah. to a, a cohort of yeah, people. Yeah, Westerberg and Bob Mould are great uh, yeah. writers, yeah. so that you have a sense that they are, you know, the writings. Uh, but those were terribly car crash bands, and I think yeah. they were actually much more functional even in our yeah, that's right. dysfunction. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You had the Cold War kids, as you called yeah. it, and yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a period that yeah. is worth reading about as well. Yeah, well, the Cold War. Yeah. So what do you hope people ultimately take away from from this book and, and this experience of reflecting upon the kids in the hall. He did it for the dough. He did it for the dough. He did it for the dough. There's no uh, dough. Well, this is, a, this is a labor of love for it's you. Go, uh, it's a complete labor of love. Yeah. Believe me, you really don't write books for two years if you're thinking about getting rich unless you write like a, a, a book about teen wolves, you right. know, like or uh, sure. Harry Potter and the kids in the hall yeah. would have been good. That would have been good. But but I'll tell you that what I hope people can, I hope people go uh, they're they're fans of a comedy like Python and all that. If they're they want to find out where that chunk of history is, if I can help sort of show people one more part of the big puzzle of the the thing I love, which is the the timelessness of comedy. I, I it's been like a, a huge nerd pursuit of mine. So if I, I can tell their story, hopefully to a way that does them justice, and that's why I really wanted it to be authorized because I wanted I wanted it to be as close to the truth as a third party can do. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably true. I yeah. think that's what I got. Yeah, because there's been at least one other book that came out in recent years. That oh, was, really? Was not author- Are you familiar with I believe you cite no. uh, Semley's book. Yeah. No, I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> Have you read that book? I did, actually. I, once I wrote, I had to finish mine first. I felt right. like I had to get my, so when I was on my oh, second you draft, yours first, yeah. and then I said to someone, can you send me, I said to someone in Toronto, can you send me that other book? I just want to see if they covered some of the areas. And there was a few things where I noticed a few trunk pieces that, stock answers right. so I changed my book so right. that it wouldn't have the exact same answers right. yeah because I didn't want it I didn't want to be the second but right. we could at least be the maybe the better one right I don't know but I mean two at least two books about something you did right. that's pretty amazing yeah I never thought of it that way yeah of course two books yeah and that's Ken great. Burns is doing the series right <laughs> oh wow yeah. that's good and the and part series, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've read Cliff Nesteroff's The Comedian. oh yeah I love Cliff. Cliff Cliff's in our book actually this yeah. seems, that's right he is and this seems like an. have you read that book the no Com- I have not Are you, you're not interested in comedy no I watch House Hunters International is that a book <laughs> <laughs> so it's my I, next book I think of this book as like a, a, a part of a new compendium of comedy history and analysis. Oh, you're making Paul so happy. Oh, compendium. Oh, my like mom, my cat, late mother cat. would love that you use compendium. Yeah, I tried to use uh, compendium. Uh, no, but I yeah, can. no, it's true. Quit bringing it's true. up your dead family. My <laughs> God, Paul, you're I'm obsessed. <laughs> she only died last year. Come on, man. Give me. Oh, I'm sorry to uh, hear that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, she she was great. She lived in 92. He pillowed so. her. 
We've, we, I mean, we've <laughs> heard. Uh, you mentioned your your brother who is uh, in the news because of he's a famed serial killer, and his movie is that's is right. Back. That's right. Mike every Myers, Halloween, every Halloween, every Halloween, my the name Michael Myers gets put back in the media. It's, and, and but really now, there's a film. There's an actual new no. movie. Yeah, there's a new Halloween. Holy cow! Jamie Lee Curtis is like hunting her. He plays. Son. The, he plays Michael. She plays Michael. No, Myers. she plays the mom from. Oh the my original. god! I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I live in the states. We don't get that stuff. <laughs> We know a lot about uh, your family, I think, from your brother. Well, and it's it's inescapable that the other reason I wrote this was because I was through that. I was I've been around the Lorne Michaels machine a few times from both of these troops, and and I felt kind of like there's all this insider knowledge and just or witnessing that needed to be put into something, and it ends up being slightly autobiographical for me, even though I'm not a character in the story. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a sense of me paying homage to that. And my dad, who, my late dad, okay, Bruce? And my my late dad who watched Python, who would be super thrilled to have heard uh, what happened next. Right. Right. He was your gateway to comedy. He totally was. Yeah. Well, and and so, Bruce, I must ask you, I mean, what does this, does this foretell anything about Kids in the Hall plans, this book coming Um, out? Yeah, we're going to do something. We're not sure yet. If you read the book and that we're one dumb guy, it's never. we're a disorganized machine, and I think we're just um, dusting it off now, and we're going to do something. But my understanding from what Paul just said is you're the center of the dusty machine. What? Did I say that? Well, right? I'm, the guy, I'm the guy who sends the first email and harasses people, so I guess it's getting time for me to do that So again. something coming? Is something churning? Oh, something's going to happen. Because Kevin, when he was on this show said uh oh yeah we might try to do a netflix thing the way you know yeah we might is that still i would love that but then in your book as i recall mark's like "Ah, i don't mark mckinney i don't want to that mark's mark's always been that way i said the center yeah we're we're going to we're going to new york tomorrow because we're on saturday night live we don't have our immigration no we're going tomorrow we're moving to toronto uh, no, can't we go Just to Vancouver? No, we're not, moving to Toronto. Yeah, not yeah. organized. Yeah. Well, I have to say, uh, Bruce, I don't know if you know this, I got to see your one-man show in ah. Toronto. Loved it. it was Thank you so much. wonderful, and I'm happy that you're w- doing stuff like that. What are you up to these days beyond uh, potential um, I'm, I actually just moved to town with my family. You're back in Canada. Yeah, you so said you were going to do yeah, that and in we your one-man show. Wow. Yeah, and I, I never lie on stage, um, <laughs> just in life. And uh, I'm doing a bunch of television and a bunch of things, and uh, here I am. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. amazing. And Paul, what about you? What's coming up? I Well, I'm actually trying to get another book done right now. I'd rather not talk about it until I get the deal because it's embarrassing when they don't happen. And uh, I'm also doing a, an anthology of power pop uh, stories, literary stories about the musical genre power pop. Oh. By people like Michael Chabon writes about Big Star. Yeah. And we're basically at the point now where we're going through a bunch of different authors to try. And it's one of those things where it'll be like a lot of sort of deep reading about a subject that people might not think is that interesting. Oh, cool. But it super is. It's, it's going to be fun. It's more of an anthology. But I, I got a couple of things. You're going. editing this. Well, I'm going to be compiling it. Yeah, curating it and doing some editing and writing for it as well. Okay. It'll be little known bands like the Rosellos. The Rosellos are in there for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tommy Keen, right. Badfinger, Big Star, uh, Matthew Sweet. My uh, God, Badfinger is an underrated band. Oh my God. Oh my God, and that's yeah, and this yeah. that's kind it's of my that. my my book's going to be called Go All the Way: The Case for Power Pop and right. the Raspberries and everybody. It's it's going to be fun. And you guys are big Matthew Sweet. I feel like I Matthew am. Sweet comes up a lot in the Kids in the Hall universe but, in the book even. Yeah, no, it's and we sort of met him and he saw his shows and we, yeah, we love his music. Yeah, you know, the Girlfriend yeah. album was happening around the same time as you guys were coming up. Yeah. So So where can go where can people go to learn more about you and your book, Paul? 
Oh, uh, well, I'm on Twitter. Pull my ears. P-U-L-M-Y-E-R-S. It's an pull, anagram. Pull my ears. It's an anagram of Paul Myers. Yeah, no, I follow and, you. I, I knew that. I oh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's an anagram that has one L, so I always have to spell it out. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, that's probably the best source for Paul Myers information. Okay. And Bruce, where should people uh, for me, go? We should go to the, your, your library. Just go to the library. Go to the and local the library. Microfiche, look me up. Okay. All right. That that sounds good. Thank now, you. Now so I know I, I probably can get this done because uh, I'm friends friendly with the band. If we went out on a song by Shadowy Men on a shadowy planet, would that would that yes? Suit I'll, you? I'll authorize that. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to pick one of the songs? Should we pick the biggest song? What do uh, you think, Bruce? Um, no, we should pick. Um, zombie compromise. Zombie compromise. That is the great. Why the did album. that come to mind? Well, that it, that was the one that was almost our theme. So, oh. ladies and gentlemen, zombie compromise. Bruce, Paul, thank you so much for this time and being on this show, thank and best of luck with everything. Check it out. Very special thanks to Paul Myers and Bruce McCullough, not not only for tolerating me and my head cold and, and also uh, for my tardiness, tolerating my tardiness as I commuted from Guelph to Toronto to meet with them, but for also, also for being on this, the 439th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and, and also on uh, things like Spotify and YouTube and Audio Boom. If you can't find an episode you're looking for or if you wish to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit uh, my site vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative. 
or at Vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at CFRU.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Thanks again uh, to everyone who pledges to our Patreon account, uh, Patreon page, I suppose, patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Uh, everyone who has pledged so far has made a flexible monthly donation uh, in support of the show. And that it's, it can be a dollar, it can be $5, it can be uh, $35 a month, and you can always change it whenever you like. Uh, we appreciate, uh, we meaning me and, and I guess my family, appreciate you supporting the show in this way. So again, visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to support the show financially. Uh, thanks again to uh, the likes of Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support uh, for this show. And thanks to my friend, uh, my dear friend Jim Guthrie. He lets me use a song of his, The Rest Is Yet to Come, to close out the show each week. Learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and uh, subscribing to it and uh, telling your friends to do the same, you know, talking about the show. That helps. I really appreciate that. And thanks to Paul Myers and Bruce McCullough for making time for me and for being very kind afterwards about our chat. They seem to have a good time. And I continue to have good times with people, so I will uh, try to keep that up. I got to go and uh, get healthy because, as you can, if you listen to the show regularly, you know I don't sound like myself, but I'll be back to full capacity hopefully soon. I will talk to you soon, in fact. Bye for now. <laughs>